Hello, my name is Lika Gay and welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund. Chances are that you've never heard of the Global Strategic Maple Syrup Reserve. But last year, thieves stole around $18 million worth of syrup from this very reserve. The cartel which control this reserve might be described as the OPEC of maple syrup. The supplier of maple syrup set the price and controlled the global supply of this sweet liquid gold. Throughout the world, many countries through cartels choose to control the price of important commodities for a range of reasons, from maximizing their income to protecting key domestic industries. But many economists criticize cartels for benefiting producers at the expense of consumers. I spoke with the IMF Jacqueline Delaurier, author of an article in this June's issue of Finance and Development, in which she investigated the arguments for and against cartels using the example of the maple syrup industry. But she began by explaining how she first became intrigued by the subject. This story caught my attention for two very important reasons. First of all, I'm French-Canadian. I was born and raised in Quebec, and I grew up in a family that not only ate but loved maple syrup. So the topic is one close to my heart. And when I first read the very small little news piece, the bottom of page five in the New York Times back in August that said there'd been this theft from Canada's global strategic maple syrup reserve, I thought, what? (laughs) We need to know more about this. And second of all, the story has an immediate appeal for so many different reasons. There's a heist. There's an organized gang of thieves more than 12, 15, 18, something like that, working for months and months and months to steal hundreds of thousands of gallons of maple syrup to be able to sell it on the black market. That story kind of has everything going for it, but it also seemed to me, underneath that sort of tip of the iceberg story, there's a larger story to tell about why would a country regulate the price of a product that it holds dear to its heart because it's a national symbol in some cases. I just thought that there was a bigger story to tell, the iceberg underneath the water, which is about how countries decide on a public policy, how that affects the economics of the issue, and how a culture's influence can really be at play with respect to the decisions made about both the policy and the economics. But It was very interesting to read that This industry is in fact run by a cartel with a very stringent supply management system and that they were very successful before the heist. Can you describe it a little bit more for those of us who don't know about it? Well, Quebecers have been making maple syrup privately for hundreds of years, essentially. There are 7,400 producers in the province. The federation that sort of governs their operations was set up in the late 60s, really more as a gathering of farmers to sort of get together, more like a collective. And the way maple syrup is produced depends on so many very variant factors, including the weather, that you would have some years where you would have bountiful amounts produced by the trees, and some years when there was a paltry amount of sap produced by the trees in order to be able to then make maple syrup. So what would happen is a maple syrup farmer would see his or her income rise and fall dramatically. And so farmers existed with these wild fluctuations in their income for a number of years. And then the straw that broke the camel's back was in 2001. It was a bountiful year for maple syrup. There was an excess production of 5 million gallons of maple syrup, and prices plunged. The farmers decided this isn't working for us. And 
decided to use an existing provincial law that governs agriculture to organize themselves to be able to better negotiate prices with the buyers. In 2004, the decision was made to bring in the quota system to sort of smooth these peaks and lows in income. So if I understand properly, the system was really designed to insert a steady stream of income for the producers. But this is a quota, and quotas are usually associated with bad economics. It's not hard to find an economist who thinks that supply management systems are not a good thing. For the most part, they think that they're pure income transfer from consumers to producers, and that they support higher prices than the market would normally allow. Critics also say that if you do away with a supply management system, the prices of the good in question could drop, and that that would be a good thing for consumers, obviously. But we have to keep in mind that there are several factors here at play. I think in the case of maple syrup, it's not an essential food. We often see supply management systems used for basic foods, milk, um, eggs. And maple syrup is not an essential food for most people. If the price is very, very high, you can go without it and you won't die. You might miss it a lot, but... You don't need it in your daily diet. The Federation has absolutely no interest in losing consumers. So the reserve is, in fact, used to manage the price. And also there's evidence to suggest in other countries, as I mentioned in the article, that have done away with supply management systems, that leaving the market to decide doesn't necessarily mean, in fact, prices are going to drop because the industry fundamentally can change in a way that producers leave and so forth. And one critique of cartels and supply management is that it discourages innovation and new entrants. And that certainly on the new entrants front, I would think that's very clear. In the case of the Quebec maple syrup cartel, you, Lika, decide tomorrow that you want to become a producer of maple syrup. The only way you can do that in Quebec is to buy an existing maple grove from a farmer and by virtue of that purchase, receive their quota. So you mentioned that some countries did away with their supply management system. Are they an example of successful ones, or are they all doomed to fail? I, I don't think they're doomed to fail at all. Again, I actually think the maple syrup one works quite well. But in working on the story and researching the issue, I had to look at Australia's supply management system. They used it to regulate the price of milk and dairy products. They did away with it in 2001, and it's interesting when you look at the numbers about what happened to the price of milk after they did away with the system, and you'll see that the price of milk dropped quite steadily in the first year after the government ended the program, but then it rose steadily and sometimes actually quite steeply between 2002 and 2008. Since then, it's dropped, uh, but in the past year, it's been on the rise again. So I don't think that it's necessarily true that doing away with a supply management system will immediately equate with overall lower prices of the good for consumers. What does this tell us about the economics of food supply in the world? I think at the end of the day, the measure of success is always set by what's the goal the country is trying to achieve. And I think it really does vary from country to country. It also depends entirely, I think, on the good. Does the maple syrup cartel work? I think yes. If it didn't, people wouldn't still be buying it, even though the price is relatively kept quite high, actually. So when measuring success, you have to look at a country's objective and then take it from there. And that was Jacqueline Delaurier on the topic of cartels and supply management systems. And to hear more podcasts, log on to www.soundcloud.com slash imf-podcasts.